you're here today. It is Palm Sunday, uh, and uh, the church we came from did a big thing on Palm Sunday, but I'm just glad to be in the room, to be here with you guys. I love seeing all the faces uh, every single week. What is this? The Splash Zone. Oh, we're in the Splash Zone, baby. I love it. Hey, y'all watch out. All right, I do spit sometimes. All right, so I love that. That's pretty funny. I, if you weren't here last week, I was like, y'all got to sit a little closer. Get in the Splash Zone like you're watching Shamu at SeaWorld. So, hey, this side's doing great. Got some seats over here that are open, all right? So anyone can come join us. That'd be good. So, hey, last week we started a new series called Your Story Matters. All right, did y'all enjoy last week? I thought, what a cool story to start with with the demon-possessed man, right? But we learned a lot last week about why his story mattered. And we talk about what isolation and loneliness does, right? Like, it, it can destroy us. And a lot of times, we, we talked about three things that every story has that makes it good. The first thing is details, Right, like you have to share details in order to like to have a story be relatable. That's the second thing. So when a good story that have details, it creates relatability. And then a great story always involves the unexpected. Something changes. Something out of the blue happens, and it changes everything. So that's what we talked about last week. We talked about this man's story. We shared the details, and in those details, I think we all found some relatability there. Even though a lot, most of us in here, probably all of us. We're not possessed by an evil spirit. If you are, we'll pray for you. Get that thing out of here, right? But we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you. But you're probably not possessed by an evil spirit. But you share some of the same things this guy shared. You might feel lonely. You might feel like, man, I used to have a relationship with my family and friends, and now I just don't. But then the unexpected happened. He met Jesus. And Jesus changed everything. He cast the spirit out. And the Bible says that this guy tried to serve Jesus. He thought the best way to serve Jesus was to be a disciple, to go, hey, I'm rolling with you, Jesus. Like, I'll do whatever you want. Thank you so much. But Jesus looked at him and said, no, 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 no. You're not coming with me. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to share your story. And so he went back. And the Bible says he told everybody the story of what Jesus did for him. And so we're going to continue this series today. I'm super excited about it. It's going to be great. And today we're going to talk about something that all of us have dealt with before, and that's shame. Some of us have shame in our stories. I know. Welcome to church, everybody. We're going to talk about shame, all right? But we all have shared shame. We've all had that feeling before. And when I thought about this, I was writing this, and yesterday I'm trying to finish up the message, and I was like, Steph, when you think of shame, what do you think about? She said, dogs. I was like, oh, that's actually perfect because dogs feel shame. You can see a dog when they when they feel shame. Anybody have a pet in here? You'll have dogs, right? If you have a cat, they don't feel anything. They're heartless. Um, so we know this. But dogs, they're great. You know, we they feel shame. And so we've all seen the dogs shaming pictures of, of dogs on Facebook and stuff, but I found the perfect video of a perfect dog shaming video that I'm very excited about. So y'all check this video out, and it's very funny. Y'all check it out. Maybe. Is it working? I can't find it. We can't find it. It should be like the second slide in there. Is it not in there? Mm-mm. That is a bummer, guys. My goodness. All right, well, that's fine. It showed a video of a dog that got caught eating the kitty cat treats in his house. And uh, the guy had two dogs, and he said, let's look at the suspects. And he looks and shows the first dog. And the first dog is just living his life, laying down on the carpet. Then he shows the next dog, and he's got that, like, shameful look in his eyes, you know? And then finally he goes over there, and the dog starts, like, crying. It's very, very funny. But my dog does this, all right? So my dog is the most passive-aggressive dog. His name is Scooby. 
Uh, he's a potato with legs attached to him. Uh, if y'all never, if y'all seen him before, he's a great dog. He loves Ryan. Like he'll come cuddle next to Ryan and stuff like that. And uh, he's a great dog. But he's the most passive aggressive dog I've ever been around. And when he does something wrong, he never makes eye contact with me. I think he's afraid of me, which I don't treat him bad. You know, like I'm not beat him or anything or did anything weird. But if he's done something wrong, he will not make eye. He'll avoid you at all. He'll close his eyes. He'll. <laughs> but he wants to see if you're seeing that he's not seeing, you know. And so he he does that, and then eventually he knows. And I'll just say, "Go to bed," and he'll scurry off, and he'll go into his room and or to our room and lay down on the bed. And, and he knows, like you've done something wrong. What he feels shame. But it's funny when we talk about shame and we talk about animals. But the fact is, is that a lot of us have felt shame, and it's not very funny. We feel shame, and most of the time, shame comes from a decision that you made in your past. You make a decision and you feel shame. And shame is almost like embarrassment, but it's like a million times worse, right? When you've been found out and you and you feel like your world's caving in, you feel shame and you have a lot of the same qualities as the dog has. You don't like making eye contact with people. You want to avoid people. And it's very funny when we look at a dog, but to you, it's not funny when you feel shame. And maybe you feel shame because of something that someone has said to you in your past. Maybe you feel shame because of something that was done to you in your past. Maybe you feel shame because of a decision that you made, or maybe decisions that you've made. You found yourself struggling with an addiction, or you found yourself uh, struggling with depression or anxiety, and you feel shame, and you don't want to admit it to somebody. But really, you have a problem. And, and it's just people would know your problem, man, and you feel like your whole world will come down. But we, we talk about shame, and guilt is like the close cousin of shame. It's very similar, but it's also very different. Guilt says, I made a mistake, but shame says, I am a mistake. Like, shame is very personal. Shame is something that you just feel like you're wrong no matter what. So today we're going to look at a story of a person in scripture who felt shame, someone that we can identify with. Because shame oftentimes is the reason why we don't like sharing our stories. I don't want to share my story. I'm ashamed of what I went through as a kid. I'm ashamed of the mistakes I've made. I'm ashamed to let people know. I don't want to, I feel shame about this. But what if God wants to use that thing that you're ashamed of to help people come to know Jesus? What if God wants to redeem that in your life so that that very thing that you don't want to share with others is the very thing that's going to help others? And so we're going to look at a story, and, and we're going to look, and I want you to see your story inside of this story. You might not have the same struggles as this person, but all of us have felt the shame that this person feels in some way. And so we're going to look at this story. We're going to talk about this person's shame, but we're going to relate it to our shame, and we're going to see how that makes our story actually matter even more. All right, y'all with me? Y'all ready to rock and roll? Here we go. Turn to John chapter 4, and uh, we're, going to be looking at cha- we're going to be looking really at a lot of this chapter. But we're going to start with verse 4. And you probably, if you've grown up in church, you've heard the story, you've seen the story, but stay with me, all right? Because God has something for you today. So don't check out because you've heard this story before. You're not allowed to do that. I want you to lean in and go, all right, I've heard this story before. What can I learn now? Because I think God's going to use it in a powerful way. Here's what it says, John chapter 4, starting in verse 4. We have it on the screen today? Nothing. Look in the messages folder at the top left in Your Story Matters Part 2. It's in there. I did it this morning. Boom. Nope, that's, that was last week. So I put the wrong one in there. So just go to the messages folder. You'll see it. Kevin can help you. All right, here we go. If you have your Bible, we're in chapter 4, verse 4. It says this. He had to go through Samaria 
on the way. So Jesus is right. There we go. We got it. Do we have the video now? Yeah. Play the video. You got to play the video now. All right. So pause. Play the video. All right. We got to see the video. Oh, here we go. Well, apparently while I was out, somebody got into the kitty cat treats. The music is my favorite part, man. Look at the suspects. Suspect number one. G. Macy, see your face. Did you do this? Did you? I don't think you did. Number two. <laughs> I think he's guilty. Did you do this? Denver, did you do this? Denver, was this you? Denver, you won't look at me. Did you? What? Denver, did you do this? Look at me. Come here. Let me see. Let me see your face. Okay, so that's what they were called, these people. They were like 
half-blooded Jews, and so they kind of subscribed to their way of beliefs, but they really didn't, and they had all these superstitions. They were like conspiracy theorists. You know, y'all, y'all ever seen these people on Facebook, right? Like, they were these type of people, and they hated, the Jews hated these Samaritans because they were halfsies. Like, they just didn't belong. They didn't really have, they kind of created their own thing, and they hated them so much that they would, if they had to take the same route that Jesus was taking, they would go around the long way just so that they didn't have to come in contact with these people. They couldn't stand them. Imagine the person in your life that you can't stand. Like, oh, they walk in the room and you're like, Lord, give me strength right now or I'm going to struggle this person. I can't stand being around these people. That's what these people were. So that might be to you like your parents your in-laws, don't raise your hand or anything, all right? But it's these people. Everything good? All right, I'm joking, I'm joking. It might be your in-laws. It might be a, a, a sibling. It might be that person you work with that you can't get away from, right? Like, they just show up and they walk into your office and your blood pressure just skyrockets in you. And you're like, God, I can't stand this person. Why are they around? That's what Samaritan people were like to the Jews. Hated them. Couldn't stand being around them. Would do anything to avoid them, right? And so Jesus is not avoiding these people. In fact, the Bible says that he had to go to Samaria on the way. But the thing was, the custom then, they didn't have to do that. They, they all went around like, Jesus, you have to. Well, the thing you have to understand about this word, had to, these two words, is that in the original text, it didn't mean like, well, they had to because that's Samaria, Samaria was just in, in between these two places. No, no, no. The word had to meant that something was like binding Jesus to go do something. Like, I have to go. Like, I have to be there, right? Like, there's something there that needs, that only I can do that needs to be done. It's like, I have to go into work today. Why? Well, you're the only person that can deal with this, right? Like, I have to be there. And it's like, he had to be there, not out of convenience, but because someone there needed something. And so Jesus felt this pull, and he just had to go through Samaria. And I'm sure the disciples are like, Dude, come, you don't have to. And Jesus is like, no, I have to go through Samaria. And so he's going through Samaria on the way. And maybe you felt like that before. Like, man, I just, I have to, like today, I have to mow today. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just can't get around it. I got to get it done today. I know Brother Kevin in the back is going to mow his yard today as well. But it's going to rain all week. I have to do it today. Is that the, that's the last thing I want to do, but I have to do it today, right? Like, that's the kind of the, the way Jesus is feeling. Like, he has to be there. He has to go. But he wasn't reluctantly doing it like I'm going to mow today, all right? And so it says this. It says, soon after he sat down by this well, a woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, hey, please give me a drink, all right? Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised. For Jesus or for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. They were super annoyed by him. That's in my version of the Bible. All right, so she said to Jesus, "You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Uh, why are you asking me for a drink?" And so Jesus replied, "He said, if only if you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would in fact ask me, and I would give you living water." And so this woman rolls up there, she sits next to Jesus, and Jesus starts this conversation with her. Not only is that weird because Jesus is a Jewish person, and she's a Samaritan woman, but and so that was weird that a Jew was talking with a Samaritan, but also she was a woman, and he was a man, and that just didn't happen, all right? That, that Jesus broke all the cultural norms with women, by the way, in the Bible. This is one of the ways he did it. He looked at her and said, hey, can you give me a drink? 
And Jesus is almost baiting her. He's about to give her the bait and switch, right? Like he's about to do something and he's just trying to prime in the pump a little bit because Jesus knows where this conversation is going. And Jesus knows I had to go through Samaria because I needed to meet this woman right here because only she can do what I've called her to do after this whole story is over. So Jesus cleverly goes, hey, can you give me a drink? And she's like, hey, why are you even asking me this, right? Like I, I don't, you're talking to me, this is weird. And, uh, you know, you can get your own water essentially is what she's saying. And then Jesus goes, well, actually, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd understand that you can actually get living water. And now her ears perk up. She doesn't quite understand where Jesus is going with all this. Her ears start to perk up a little bit. And, and all of a sudden, she puts up this little argument, right? She says this, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. You talk about these, this living water that you want to give me, but you've come here with nothing to actually get water. And this well, it's very deep. Like, you can't just reach down and get it out like they do on Survivor. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to draw a bucket down there and get it. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than his sons and his animals enjoyed? So here's the deal, a little context here. Jacob was like the father of the Jewish people, and this well was the centerpiece of a lot of major things that happened in the Bible. And so that was probably another reason why the Jewish people hated them so much is because they had this important relic of history, and it was the Samaritans. It wasn't theirs. And so she's like, hey, who do you think you are, dude? Like you said, if you knew who I was talking to, you're not more important than Jacob is, right? And you don't even have anything to get the water with. But Jesus replied, and he says this, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. So, hey, you're going to draw this bucket. You're going to put your thing in this bucket, and guess what? Tomorrow you're going to have to come back because this water is going to run out, and you're going to have to go get more. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. She's not getting it. Jesus is, is taking her on a journey, and she hasn't quite clicked yet. And so she, Jesus is saying, listen, figuratively, you come here with this bucket to get water. You're trying to get some sort of satisfaction. You're trying to, to have something satisfy you. And so he's using the analogy of what she's actually doing to really talk about what's really going on in her life. So Jesus knows that she's been taking her bucket to a metaphorical well, trying to draw water out of it, and it's never satisfied her. So that's why he says, hey, I'll give you living water. And she goes, what are you talking about, dude? Like, you don't even have a bucket. Besides, like, this water, you, you think you're so important. What do you mean? And Jesus said, hey, you're coming to this well, and you're expecting to be satisfied. But guess what? It'll never satisfy you. In fact, what I'm going to give you, it's not only going to give you water, but it's going to create this bubbling spring inside of you where it's going to keep producing water, and you'll never have to come to a well again because what I have to give you truly satisfies now, I don't know who I'm talking to in here today, but let me tell you something. We all go to wells for satisfaction that always leave us wanting more. Man, you take a rope and a bucket to the same wells over and over and over and over again, and you expect a different result. You're looking for satisfaction, just like this woman is looking for satisfaction. You're taking your bucket to wells that you're going to have to come back to, and it's never truly going to satisfy you. And some of us, we're taking our buckets to a well that, that looks like alcohol, maybe. 
God, you just have to, you're turning to that for satisfaction. Something in you is not satisfied. It's never been satisfied. And so you keep taking your bucket to this well of alcohol even. And, and, and you think it's going to satisfy you. You think it's going to give you, but it always leaves you wanting more and more and more because you're taking your bucket to the wrong well. Some of you, you're turning to things like pornography or sex and you think that this is going to satisfy you. This is going to be the thing that's finally going to fix that problem. I'm not going to feel lonely. I'm going to not be stressed. Dress, right? I'm gonna, and all of a sudden, you're, you're taking your bucket to the same well, and it's leaving you empty every single time. Some of you, you go to relationships, man. If I could just marry this person, if I could just date this person, if I could just find the right person, if my spouse would just give me what I wanted, I would be satisfied. And all of a sudden, you're striving after relationships, going, man, I'm going to these people, but they're leaving me empty. That's because you've taken your bucket to the wrong well. Maybe for some of you, it's money or a career, and you think if I could just make more money, if I could just get that raise, if I could just have this much set aside in my savings, if my 401k could look like this, if I could just work a little bit more, stay a few extra hours late, if I could just, um, my family's going to be able to take that vacation, I'm going to be able to have that boat, I'm going to be able to do this thing, and all of a sudden you're chasing a bank account number, you're chasing a title that goes before your name, and before you know it, you're left with no relationship with your family, no relationship with your kids, and all of a sudden you're taking your bucket to this well that looks like it's going to be satisfying, but really it's leaving you empty. Maybe for you it's stuff. If I could just have more stuff, maybe for you it's memberships to certain things. Like, man, if I could just get this status, if I could just join this club, if I could just do this thing, I'll find satisfaction. Maybe for you it's just pleasures. Like, if I could just indulge in this, if I could just get more food, that'll make me feel better. If I could just do this, that, I'll be satisfied. And you always come up feeling empty. Why? It's because you're taking your bucket to the wrong well. This lady was taking a literal bucket to a literal well to really quench her real thirst. But metaphorically inside of her, she had been taking her bucket to the same place over and over again. And things never got better for her. Let me tell you, you keep taking your bucket to the wrong well, you're going to come up dry every single time. But what Jesus has to offer you is living water. It's a bubbling spring. It has another source. And the source of your satisfaction has been misplaced. But if you put it in Jesus, it will always give you something new. And you might always have to go get something and draw from that well, but that well will always have something to give you. It will always bring the satisfaction that you need. It will always fill that hole in your heart that you're trying to fill with everything else. And all of a sudden, your life begins to feel more satisfied because you're taking your bucket to the right source. And she's not clicking with this. this. This Samaritan woman doesn't understand what's going on. She doesn't understand the, the pieces that Jesus is trying to put together. And so Jesus breaks it down for her even more. He says this, But those who drink the water I've given will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus is saying that people that decide to drink from my well, something happens, but you have to take the drink. You have to receive from the well that Jesus is giving you. And sometimes we don't want to receive from that well. Sometimes we want to get drawn back to these things that we know don't work. We get drawn back to the, the alcohol, the money, the career, the titles, the sex, whatever it is. And, and you keep getting drawn back there. But Jesus is like, no, no, no. This starts, my well is here. It's ready for you. You can come draw from it at any time. 
But you have to take the first drink. You have to initiate in it. You have to, you have to fill up the cup and you have to trust me enough to just take the drink. And so he's telling her these things. And it's still, it's not clicking, but something in her is stirring. And she's like, please tell me more. And she says this in verse 15. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. It has an exclamation point. It's like she's desperate. Give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come get water from here. So she hears Jesus say this. And something in her is like, she's still thinking physical. Oh, maybe he knows of a spring nearby. And I don't have to come out here in the middle of the day. Remember earlier in the, in the chapter, it said that it was about noontime. It was about time for her to like, no one else was coming to the well. It was too hot. So she's out there alone. And she comes to see Jesus and she's there by herself. That's a weird. And so she's thinking, man, I don't have to come out here anymore at noontime. I can go get this water from another source. I don't have to tell anyone else about it, right? Like this can be like my little secret and all this stuff. But she desperately wants this water. But she lets us know something. She lets us know something that Jesus is going to touch on in a second. Her insecurities and her shame is now starting to come out. There's something that is making her come to the well at noontime. She hasn't brought it up yet. Jesus already knows all this, but she hasn't brought it up yet. But Jesus has been baiting her this whole time for this moment right here. And all of a sudden, that shame starts to come up. Tell me where this water is, and then I don't have to be embarrassed about coming out of here. I don't have to feel ashamed every time I have to come to get water in the middle of the day. So Jesus says this. He was clever. He says, hey, go get your husband. Jesus told her. And then she responds, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Now, Jesus has a way of gently kind of getting to your shame. He has a way of, like, gently uh, pointing out what we turn to instead of what we, how we don't turn to him. He has a, a gentle way of pointing out, like, hey, you turn to this thing instead of me. And I bet every day this woman would get up and she would go to the well whenever she would go and just think, like, gosh, I wish I could go early in the morning when it wasn't so hot outside. But you see, this woman had a past. She had made some mistakes. Maybe some of these husbands had died. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe one of them passed away, and that's why she had another one. But statistically, that all five of these people had died is, unless she's a serial killer, that probably didn't happen, right? Like, she probably had been cheated on. She probably had cheated on them. She probably had had an argument. Maybe there was an abusive relationship. Maybe uh, she just didn't feel right with this guy, so she left. and didn't, Like, she's gone through life, and everyone in the town knows it. And every time she goes and gets, and every time she goes and gets water, she's thinking, like, man, I wish I could go in the morning, but this person knows, and they all know they go in the morning time, and I'm going to have to see them there, and they're going to know that they've seen me around town with this other guy who's the sixth guy that I've been with now. And she starts to feel shame. Jesus has a way, it might not be as obvious as you, as you sitting at a well next to Jesus and him pointing out your whole life in front of you, but he has a way of gently reminding us sometimes. And here's what it looks like. It happens just like that. But when you're pouring that glass and you're about to have another drink because it's the only thing you want to go to, there's a thought that runs through your head that's like, God, I don't need to do this anymore. That's it. A lot of times we just ignore it and we pour. Or when we pull our phone out, we want to go to the website again and look at the things again. Something goes through our brain. It's like, gosh, I should do this. That's Jesus in that moment. Maybe for you, 
man, a project needs to get done at work and you're trying to make some more money and you're trying to get that promotion, prove yourself. And that thought goes through your head, oh man, if I just, I know if I stay, my wife's going to be mad at me for missing dinner again, but I have to. It's in that moment, that little moment right there. That's Jesus trying to remind you, like, hey, there's something more important here. You're going to the wrong way. We're no different than this lady. This lady just had the opportunity to sit with Jesus and for him to point it out to her face to face. But Jesus is pointing it out to you. But are you paying attention or are you listening to it? So they're sitting there. And Jesus says, hey, go get your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You've had five. And now this person you live with isn't your husband. So you're, you're right. That was the well that she kept going to. She wanted to go to men. She wanted to go to relationships. Well, guess what? She's no different than you. You have a well that you're going to to try to find satisfaction, and it's burned you a little bit. And now Jesus takes that opportunity. This is actually a very significant moment in the Bible. We don't have time to talk about it right now. This is one of the few times Jesus used a name for himself called Yahweh, which means I am. That dated all the way back to the Moses at the burning bush. That was the first time Jesus ever said her, that, that name was ever heard. Well, Jesus says, I am Yahweh. And all of a sudden, that whole conversation clicks into place with that lady. And she's thinking, oh, snap. I've met the Messiah. I've met the one that we've been thinking about for thousands of years. I'm having a conversation with him face-to-face right now. And that's where everything changes. And I love what the Bible says. Remember, she came to that well to get some satisfaction. Here's what it says. It says, The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone. Leave it right there. She came to the well with a bucket and a rope so she could get some satisfaction. And she left it there because she had found the source of her satisfaction. She found she didn't need it anymore. She found the living water. She found the bubbling spring. She left the thing that she came there to to take her satisfaction home and to consume and all this. She left it there and she ran back and she told everyone, next slide, and it says this, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could Could this be the Messiah? And you know, everybody in that town knew everything that she did. And so she thought, guys, y'all know me. Like, you know the mistakes I've made. You know that I've, I've, I've slept with everybody in the village, right? I've had all these men in my life. and I'm a, But this guy, he knew it all. He didn't condemn me. He actually offered me this living. You've got to come see this. Look, he told me everything I ever did. And, and something about her was different. They could tell. And so the people came streaming from the village to come see him. And so because she told her story, All the warts and all. She tells her story. She goes back to the village and she's like, guys, this guy, he knows everything that I did. He still loves me. He still offered me something. Like, y'all got to come see this dude. And so everyone's like, her? What? Okay, I got to come see this. And so everyone starts coming and they they start figuring out like, okay, this has to be Jesus. And so it says this. Many Samaritans from the village actually begged Jesus to stay. They said, Jesus, you got to stay here. And so Jesus stayed. And he stayed there for a couple of days. And it says this. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. 
When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So Jesus stayed there for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, who was full of shame, who just two days ago was sitting on the edge of this well talking to Jesus, and they looked at her and says, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us. That got us in the door. Not because of what you told us, but because now we've heard and we've drank from that well ourselves. Now we know that there is indeed a Savior of the world. Don't miss this right now. Listen, Jesus wants to use your story to get people in the door. He used this woman's story, her shame, the things that she was embarrassed to share with everyone else because of how it was going to make her look. And guess what? That got people in the door to hear Jesus. And the story wasn't what changed people. The story is what got people to Jesus. And then Jesus got to change people because of this woman's story. God wants to do the same thing with you. Your story matters. You have something to share. You have a story. You have shame even in your past. Guess what? God wants to redeem that shame to get people in the door so that they can receive Jesus. And so they can start to drink from this well that will never leave them hungry. It will never leave them thirsty. It will always satisfy them. But these people never would have come to see Jesus. Jesus was just passing through in this moment. But because this woman shared her story, the whole town got to hear about Jesus. The whole town got to change. This woman got to change. Who knows? Jesus could have performed her wedding with that six man right there. Who knows what happened? But it said many people believed because this woman shared her story. Listen, guys, you have a story to share. Don't waste your story by keeping it to yourself. Share it, even if you're ashamed of some stuff in your story. Own it. Get some help if you need some help. But I promise you, God wants to use your very past to reach people that are struggling with the same thing you're struggling with. Because here's what I know. You're not alone. There are other people that struggle with alcohol, that struggle with sex, with pornography. They struggle with relationships. They struggle with money and careers. and all, They struggle with all this stuff. Insecurity, depression, anxiety. I shared my story. A part of this a tiny part of my story this week on Facebook. I said, hey, I have mental health problems. And this last two years have been the worst I've ever had with it. But guess what? I'm finding freedom in God right now through some medication and that God's using this to help people. So if you're struggling with it, I want you to know you're not alone. But hey, I want to invite you to come to Easter because I know that God wants to do something in your life. So if you're like me, come and see how God can satisfy. That's all I said. And you wouldn't believe the response I had. People texting, people messaging me, people commenting on the posts. Like, people need to know that you're like them. So my challenge to you is the same. In fact, I'm going to up it a little bit. We don't have invite cards to give you. So guess what? we got to do it through social media and mouth-to-mouth, right? Not really mouth-to-mouth, but word-to-mouth. We, we, we have to share about Easter. I don't care how many people are here. It's just not to, to tell everyone that, man, we had 100 people. I don't care about that. I care that these people come here and they get a drink of the living water. I I really do. And I'm telling you, like, people need it. And and God's going to use you to do it. He ain't going to use me to reach all your friends. I don't know all your friends. I'd love to know them. I'd love them to be connected here. But I would love for your friends to know Jesus. And you don't know, well, this person looks like they're a Christian. Okay, The Bible says that many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? And they're not going to be saved. So I don't care what they look like. They might look like a Christian, but they might not know Jesus. Get them here. Share your story. 
And my challenge is this. Share your story on Facebook, on Instagram, TikTok, whatever you use. I don't care. Share it. Say, hey, here's a little bit of my story. And share part of it. And see how people respond. I'm telling you, stories have power. And when you use it, it gets people in the door. And invite them to Easter. If you don't want to do it on the video, when people respond, thank you for sharing, message them. Say, hey, man, that means so much. Thank you for, for encouraging me. I want to invite you to Easter. Just message them. You don't have to do it on the video. I don't care. But let's get let's get some people in here that need a drink of the living water. Y'all with me? Come on, y'all with me a little bit? Listen, we're going to get people here that need to hear it. We're going to have a great service. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a band up here, I think. <laughs> We're gonna have a band up here, I think, right, Joey? Yeah. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna celebrate, and it's gonna be a great, great service. But let's get people in here that need to drink from the living water. Let's pray. Well, as you're sitting here, let's just get honest just for a second, okay? There might be some of us in here that are going to the wrong well. And I want to pray for you, I really do. If you would just be honest and say, Clint. Would you pray for me? Pray that I can start going to the well that is going to... I've been going to the wrong well with a bucket, and I'm not very satisfied right now with some things. If you'd be honest and say, I've been going to the wrong well, would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you? Come on, one, two, three. Come on, Reggie, don't be shy. Here we go. That's okay. I'm with you. I got my hand up too. Jesus, I pray for these people that feel like they're going to the wrong place. I know how they feel. They think they're getting something, and the enemy is using that to really uh, drill a hole in the bucket, and they're getting drained. God, you are depleting; that is depleting them, and they not only they 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 only feel dissatisfied. They don't only feel dissatisfied, but they feel empty. God, help us take our buckets of you, the source of life, God, the living water. God, would you bubble that up inside of us? Would you help us go to the well that will always satisfy God? That's you. I pray we turn away from these things. If you raise your hand in this moment, come on, in your heart, just say, God, I'm sorry. I want to start taking my bucket to you. That's called repentance. That's not a bad word. It means that I'm going to stop doing what I was doing. I'm going to turn around and go do the right thing. So if that's you, say, God, I turn around and I'm going to go to your well now. God, I thank you that our invite cards didn't come in. As frustrating as that's been, and I pray we get our full refund in Jesus' name, but God, I pray that that, that not only uh, do we you use this for your good, God, but you would encourage us to just spread it through word of mouth, spread it through social media, use our stories that we're going to post to draw people into you, not into Oasis Church, but into you, the living water. I pray that, I pray that 10, I would laugh, I pray that I would laugh that I've only been praying for 10 people to come to know Jesus on Easter. I pray there'd be 50. That'd be awesome, God. I pray that you would just do what only you can do. And God, I thank you that you're going to use our stories to do that. God, we love you and we thank you. And I pray that this week, man, we have a great week. I thank you for all the praises we get to celebrate. It's been awesome. I pray for those that are still praying for their miracle, that you would bring it this week, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God a hand in here. Hey.